Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Epiphany began with the Heavenly Father's pronouncement to Jesus, You are my beloved Son. Epiphany ends today with the transfiguration and the same words of the Heavenly Father, This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. And with His transfiguration, we have seen the last of Jesus' miraculous signs until He gives us the final sign in His mighty resurrection from the dead. The entire Epiphany season is enclosed in these words, My Beloved Son. So much of the emphasis of transfiguration seems to lie in the glory that Jesus shows on the mountain. His appearance was transfigured, that is, His clothing became dazzling white, and everything about what the disciples saw was not earthly, but heavenly. The evangelists make it clear that the disciples saw His glory, the glory that Jesus possesses as the eternal Son of the Father, that is, that He has the glory of the true God, which He is. But the real glory of God goes far beyond this brief glimpse into Jesus' splendor. The real glory of God does not lie in His being sovereign that is, in having almighty power, but in His love for sinners. Many Christians like to emphasize God's almighty power when they say, He's such a great God, He's all-powerful. Yes, He is. But making a statement like that doesn't really separate one from the militant Muslim who shouts God is great as he kills as many people as possible in his murderous rage. The greatness of God does not consist in awesome powers, displays of power. It consists in his love. That is really what transfiguration demonstrates to us, because transfiguration is the bridge between our Lord's baptism and his passion suffering, and death. It's right here in Luke's account. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. His departure is the way it's translated from the Greek word exodus. That word brings up the image of God's great saving act in the Old Testament, the liberation of Israel from slavery in Egypt. That Old Testament exodus prefigures what Jesus is going to do at Jerusalem. Jesus is going to liberate the world from the bondage of sin, death, and hell. He is fulfilling the Scriptures. Christians have always seen baptism in that first exodus. So Paul alludes to this in 1 Corinthians. 
For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. One of our great Easter hymns begins this way, Come you faithful, raise the strain of triumphant gladness. God has brought his Israel into joy from sadness. Loosed from Pharaoh's bitter yoke, Jacob's sons and daughters led them with unmoistened foot through the Red Sea waters. In that first exodus, there was water and death, the death of the Egyptians who were drowned in the Red Sea, the enemies of God's people. The new and greater exodus also involved a death, the death of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. And those who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, Paul reminds us, are baptized into His death and His resurrection. The transfiguration is not merely a glorious conclusion to the Christmas and Epiphany season, but it is the proper entrance into Lent and ultimately to Easter. The whole gospel is held together by this theme, my beloved son, my beloved children. What happened to Jesus benefits you eternally. You and I would rather not deal with sin and its collateral damage. We'd like to go straight to the end and bask in the glory of God. But until that which has separated us from God is removed, there can be no glory. When Peter witnessed the miraculous catch of fish, he became acutely aware of his sinfulness and he asked Jesus to depart from him because he was so sinful. And yet here, he has the opposite reaction. And Jesus is showing himself in his glory, and Peter's not worried. He wants to stay there in the glory of Christ on the mountaintop. But that glory won't happen until Christ first dies at Jerusalem, a horrible death on the cross. Suffering must always come before glory. We don't like suffering. Jesus didn't like it either. And yet he submitted to the will of his Father in heaven. Jesus had spoken of his suffering and death on three separate occasions to the disciples. And once Peter received Christ's sharpest rebuke, he was speaking like Satan and he should get behind Jesus. Christ's suffering and death were necessary, Jesus said. He said it numerous times, suffering before glory. It's no different for us. Paul writes in Romans 8, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, 
in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Suffering before glory. You, however, are the objects of God's love. When God the Father spoke from heaven at Christ's baptism, and when He spoke at His transfiguration and called Him His beloved Son, He was speaking also about you. Because you have been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, into His name, you too are His beloved Son. Now, ladies, do not fall for the shrill voices shouting, that's sexist. To be a son carries the right of inheritance. And so when Jesus calls you females sons, do not think that you are being shortchanged. Quite the contrary. God has made you full heirs of Christ's work of redemption. But we haven't yet answered the question as to why Christ shared his glory on that mountain with these three men. Jesus shared his glory not for his own sake. He wasn't trying to impress them. He wasn't on an ego trip. He showed his glory for your sake. He shows you what glory shall be yours on the last day. Dear friends, life is difficult. We suffer the effects of sin. We suffer from the hatred of the world. And I confess, in my younger days, I did not fully understand the psalmist's words, for all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Life does not get any easier the older we get. And so it becomes more difficult to say nothing of the troubles that we have before that. There are days when we simply want to give up. Often we are simply overwhelmed by life, by the troubles of life. And it doesn't matter if you are young. Life overwhelms so many young people too. But Jesus suffered all our woes in his life and he took them to the cross he atoned for them he paid for them all jesus knew what it was to suffer one of my favorite hymns is luther's autobiographical hymn dear christians one and all rejoice and one stanza stands out in times of suffering. God said to his beloved son, it's time to have compassion. Then go, bright jewel of my crown, 
and bring to all salvation. From sin and sorrow, set them free. Slay bitter death for them, that they may live with you forever. Sorrow and trouble before glory. So this great vision sustains us as we come down from the mountaintop to this valley of sorrows in which we live. That is often the life that we have on earth. You are God's beloved child. The disciple is not above his master, and so we will suffer. But these sufferings cannot be held in balance with the glory that shall be revealed in us, Paul writes. They do not compare. They do not compute. They do not add up. They are not in balance. The weight of glory is overwhelming. But even in our troubles, the Father does not abandon His children, but He helps us. He nourishes us with word and sacrament. And He gives us this vision of glory that shall one day be ours, this radiant, dazzling glory that is His, which He will share with us. And faithful hearts are raised on high by this great vision's mystery, for which in joyful strains we raise the voice of prayer, the hymn of praise. O Father, with the eternal Son and Holy Spirit ever one, we pray Thee bring us by Thy grace to see Thy glory face to face. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.